listener production. Hi, it's Jan Fran here. Thank you so much for listening to The Briefing. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love for you to tell your family, your friends, your neighbours, your colleagues, anyone you know who might also enjoy this show as well, to hit that subscribe button. We'd love to grow this little podcast of ours. The Briefing, as you know, is in your feed every morning from 6am. It's the latest news plus a deep dive interview. Thank you so much for being here again and let's get into it. Here's a question for you. How do you feel about dozens of Australian government departments using spyware that can essentially hack into your phone? I'm going to let you think about that for a minute because it is happening in Australia and yet it's rarely in the headlines. So this is technology that has been developed by former Israeli military officers. It's called Celebrite. And it's been used on high-profile people such as Brittany Higgins and former New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian. In the last roughly 12 years, 129 contracts have been signed between various government departments, pretty much every major government department, and Celebrite, Tax Office, ASIC, ICAC, the list goes on. Yeah. It's also targeting some of our most vulnerable people. There was this one case where a single woman on welfare had her phone hacked to see if she was in a relationship. If that sounds like madness, stay tuned because we're going to get into it a little bit later in the show. But first up, it's Thursday, June 15. I'm joined by Katrina Blowers for the headlines for today. Hey, Jan. Hi, everyone. Well, Lydia Thorpe has withdrawn bombshell allegations that she was sexually assaulted by a fellow senator just hours after making them. So this all unfolded yesterday afternoon in Parliament, where she accused fellow Senator David Van of sexually assaulting her when the previous government was in office. Van was addressing the chamber about respect in Parliament following the Brittany Higgins rape allegations when Senator Thorpe interrupted him. This person, Senator Thorpe, I, I would just warn you at this point. At this point, sexually assaulted me, Senator, Senator Thorpe, and the Prime Minister had to remove him from his office. Senator and to Thorpe, have him talking about this today is an absolute disgrace. I have to. Uh, on Senator the Thorpe, whole I have party, to call you to- I utterly reject that statement. That disgusting statement, outright. It is just a lie. And I reject it. Yeah, so you can hear their van strongly denying the claim. In a later statement, he called it outrageous and reprehensible. But then, hours later... In order to comply with the parliamentary standing orders, I withdraw those remarks. Yeah, so Jan, we are expected to hear more from Lydia Thorpe today. Uh, We haven't heard anything from her office yet about, you know, when this alleged assault was meant to have happened or, or in fact any other details. So maybe we'll get those today. Yeah, I suspect we might be hearing from others today. Uh, She did mention Scott Morrison there by name. Uh, Of course, he was the former Prime Minister saying that he had to remove him from his office. Scott Morrison has said that he's had no recollection of Lydia Thorpe ever making that allegations, allegation rather, or him being involved in David Van moving offices. So I suspect there might be some more questions in Scott Morrison's direction around that, depending on what Lydia Thorpe says today. The allegations that she made as well, Kat, she made under something called parliamentary privilege, 
which sort of prevents legal action from being taken against MPs mm. if they say something during the proceedings of parliament. So she's she's protected in that sense from the comments that she made in the chamber, perhaps not necessarily the comments she makes after that. Yeah. And the Australian Federal Police have made one of our biggest drug busts ever. Get ready for this figure. They have stopped 1.7 billion dollars worth of methamphetamine from hitting our streets. So they found these drugs hidden in four shipments of canola oil bottles that were destined for Melbourne from Canada. Now, the first shipment was intercepted. It's unclear where it was intercepted exactly. The rest, however, did not even make it out of Canada, uh, which just goes to show that the AFP are working quite closely with Canadian authorities there to make sure those six tonnes of liquid and crystal meth are confiscated. That's almost 19 million hits of uh, what is a very highly addictive drug. That's huge, Cat. Yeah, really impressive police work to to find this stuff in pallets of canola oil. Um, so the alleged brains behind this operation are a 38-year-old Melbourne man and a 32-year-old who is alleged to have used his position in a logistics business to transport the drugs. And they now both face life in jail. I tell you, it's been a big 12 months for police officers busting drugs. There was $1 billion of cocaine that was busted by cops that was bound for WA and there was $1.6 billion of drugs that were discovered in Sydney um, hidden in marble stone. That's all happened over the last year. Well, Lisa Wilkinson has lodged an official complaint with Seven about their Spotlight program that featured an interview with Bruce Lemon as well as another segment on Sunrise. Wilkinson lodged that complaint yesterday, alleging the broadcast breached commercial television standards. The contents of the complaint are unclear, but lawyers for Network 10, Wilkinson and Brittany Higgins have all raised concerns that Seven appeared to have improperly used evidence from Lemon's trial in the Spotlight program. I feel like this has been sort of part of our national conversation for such a long time now, Jan. It's something that I feel everyone I know is talking about. And I wonder when this is going to kind of stop being such a main topic of conversation. I guess, you know, there's a few defamation Mm. proceedings to go yet. Mm. I mean, I I think unfortunately for a number of the people involved, um, unfortunately for For Parliament, for all of us, it's something that we're going to be talking about for some time yet. Channel 10 has also asked the AFP to investigate where the leaks of Brittany Higgins's private text messages have come from. So this is another thing that's sort of been spurring on the conversation. You know, Higgins handed those over to police during the investigation into that rape allegation. And she had said that she was really reticent to do that, fearing exactly this. So there's so many competing agendas. There's a lot of politicking that's been happening here, which is sadly what's keeping it in the headlines um, in the worst possible way. The singer Katy Perry is going to appeal her trademark loss against Australian fashion designer, 
also known as Katy Perry. In April, the federal court found the singer liable for infringing the trademark when she sold clothes during her 2014 Prism tour. The Australian fashion designer has sold and designed her own line of clothing under her Katy Perry label. So her name's Katy with an IE. So she's been doing that since 2007. What a saga. Oh my God, this has been going on for so long. And I mean, we did a story about this. If you, if you want to, if you want to hear the whole background, you got to check out our episode about Katy Perry versus Katy Perry. I think it was around May, May 4th, maybe. But truly, this is a saga that has been going on for ages. And when, when Katy Perry, Australian Katy Perry, won that court case, we thought, oh, okay, it's settled. It's over. Mm. This 13 or so year saga. But no, looks like the singer is going to appeal. It's just like, Katy Perry, aka the singer, just stop. Just just leave Australian <laughs> Katy Perry alone, mate. You're yeah. successful. You're a big wig. This is the woman's name. Just leave her alone. But alas. Yeah, it does seem a bit unfair. And apparently Katy Perry, the Australian Katy Perry, was in tears when she found out that this was going to keep dragging on. So, yeah, you got to feel for her. And Nick Kyrgios has revealed he was admitted to a psychiatric ward after contemplating suicide following a Wimbledon defeat to Rafael Nadal in 2019. The world number 25 saying in the second round, four set defeat to Nadal, he was at the lowest point of his career. He ended up in a psych ward in London and uh, he says that if you look on his right arm, you can see self-harm evidence. He was having suicidal thoughts, he was drinking, abusing drugs and and he also lost his relationship with his family. Oh, the pressure that he must have felt that he was under. It's so intense. Um, he said he wore a white sleeve on his right arm as well to hide self-harm scars. And that since then, he's sort of really turned his outlook around and, and you know, believes things are way more positive and beautiful. It sounds like he was really at his lowest point. That's a revelation that comes in the second batch of episodes of the Netflix doco Breakpoint, um, if anybody's been watching it. This one's going to be released on June 21st. Well, that is it from Katrina and I. For the headlines, Antoinette Latouf is up next talking about the technology that's being used to hack into the phones of some of our most high-profile people. Stay tuned. Let's play a fun little game called Did You Know? Did you know that the Australian government uses spyware that the Israeli military developed to spy on and control Palestinians? Did you know that this spyware can unlock your phone, see your messages and photos and WhatsApp conversations? And did you know it was used in high-profile cases like Gladys Berejiklian and Daryl Maguire and also Brittany Higgins and Bruce Lerman? Well, if you're like me and answered no, um, uh, what the hell's going on, fear not because we're going to explain it all. It's called Celebrite and best-selling author and journalist Anthony Lowenstein has written a book all about it. Anthony is Jewish but anti-Zionist and his latest book, The Palestine Laboratory, forensically examines this dangerous spread of the spyware. Anthony, thanks for your time. So talk me through exactly what Celebrite is and how it was developed. Celebrite is an Israeli almost surveillance company. It's been around for a long time. 
So there might be a criminal case and a police department wants to get access to your iPhone and they use Celebrite. Now, the Australian government uses this extensively, law enforcement does here. And the reason I investigated it in the Palestine Laboratory is that although it's used by many Western democracies, US, Australia, UK, it's used extensively in the most repressive regimes in the world, so Russia, China, Belarus. And the reason that's relevant and why I investigate it for the book is that these tools and technologies that are increasingly exported from Israel are often tested and trialled in Israel or in Palestine on Palestinians. And the people who founded these companies have been working for years to maintain that occupation, which is why I get the occupation essentially has been exported around the world. And locally, it's been used in some pretty high profile cases here um, in the Brittany Higgins, Bruce Lerman trial, also the Gladys Berejiklian and Daryl Maguire, those um, infamous text messages. How aware do you think the Australian public is of this technology and that it's being used pretty widely here? Um, not at all, is the short answer. In fact, in this last few days, I was doing some research on the Australian use of Celebrite and looking at the Tender website, which is where you can find government contracts. In the last roughly 12 years, 129 contracts have been signed between various government departments, pretty much every major government department, and Celebrite tax office, ASIC, ICAC, the list goes on, including some of the examples you just mentioned. And I think most people, A, don't know it's being used, B, don't know the history or the genesis of Celebrite, don't understand that the background to it is a company that is notorious around the world for essentially assisting repressive regimes in going after dissidents and human rights workers and activists in China, Hong Kong, Russia, Belarus, the list goes on and on and on. And I think people should be disturbed by that. And there should be some accountability and at least questions on the Australian government and various government departments. And this finally on this point, there's recent research that suggests that um, Services Australia is using it to go after welfare recipients, kind of in a quasi-robo-debt kind of investigation, where you had huge numbers of people the vast majority of whom were on low income, who didn't deserve to have their personal and private lives turned upside down. I think people you know, should not be rorting the system. I've got no issue with that, as in checking into that, because there's no real discussion about it. There's no accountability of it. There's no real media investigation of it, by the way, mostly in Australia. There has been some overseas, particularly in parts of the US and some of the better Israeli press, to explain and expose what this company is and what it's been doing around the world. But here in Australia, I've seen barely any of that at all, which I think is a problem. Yeah, I'm going to get to that lack of media coverage in just a moment because that's, you know, taps into a whole other issue when it comes to um, investigating Israel. In terms of what's happening in Australia and the government departments and agencies that are using it, is it legal? What are the parameters? What do we need to know? The purchase and use of Celebrite can be legal. Celebrite is a legal registered company, so it's not illegal to buy that technology. The question is, what information is allowed to remain private on our phones, text messages, photos, whatever it may be? I've seen no test case here in Australia to actually test that essentially, and that should happen because what often is the case with this kind of surveillance technology, it's far ahead of the law. It's always that case. And Celebrite is really the tip of the iceberg in Australia of the growing use by virtually all government departments, law enforcement, police, of not just Israeli surveillance, but surveillance in general. How much do we know about them? Who are they? Where are they operating? And what's the genesis of them? And if they've been used 
the same company and the same tool in repression against Russian dissidents or Chinese dissidents. I think Australians should know that. And the Australian government departments that have used it and are using it should be asked how comfortable they are with working with a company that has that kind of dubious track record. Well, earlier this year, Australia signed a a joint statement with the United States and there are other countries um, arguing for strict controls on the use of spyware technology. Do do their actions contradict this joint statement's mission? Oh, it was a nice statement. It was a nice piece of paper they wrote it on, but it's essentially, it was nonsense. And I say that because during the research for my book, The Palestine Laboratory, I was looking into what the US particularly was doing and what they were actually saying. They were saying that they were against spyware, they were against the idea that um, Celebrite, and particularly NSO Group, which some listeners will know, is the maker of Pegasus, the very notorious spyware company that essentially allows an individual or a company or a government to get complete control of your phone. So everything can be controlled. Your phone, even when it's switched off, can be accessed. Your camera, your microphone can be used and turned against you. So it's an incredibly powerful tool. So the US government in the last few years has said we're against this technology, it's terrible, we should ban it. In reality, they're still using it. And Australia in some ways essentially is following the American lead here, but there's no real discussion in Australia at all, with a few very exceptions, of what kind of spyware is being used, who's it being used on, what's the genesis of that? Is it Israeli? Is it American? Is it French? Is it from somewhere else? The problem is that this technology is addictive. And we see this in case after case after case of law enforcement using it de rigueur. They don't even question whether they should. It's simply a given that they will. And in so many cases that I reported on, particularly overseas, the US and elsewhere, there is a an addiction with this technology because there's a desire and a fear, I guess, of encrypted messaging, encrypted phones. Now, encryption is the lifeblood, frankly, of a secure society. We as an individual have a right to communicate securely with our friends, partners, families, lovers, whoever it may be, or other people for that matter, about personal information. We have a right to do that. Privacy should be an integral right. And yet, ultimately, I think in many countries, including Australia, that right is being eroded by the use of companies like Celebrite and others. In terms of Celebrite, is that the one Australians should be most worried about because it's being used by government agencies here? Because I I imagine there are a whole bunch of other kind of similar technologies available. There are so many others. Pegasus is the most notorious, the NSO group company that has been used by dozens and dozens of countries around the world. Mexico, Saudi Arabia, UAE, Bangladesh, there's countless countries that are using this evasive technology and those regimes are using it particularly to go after critics and dissidents and human rights workers and various other people like that. And that's a problem because there's no regulation of this industry. Israel uses this as one of its key exports. So spyware is a major asset of the Israeli state. And it's concerning because so much of that technology is founded and developed and tested in Palestine on occupied Palestinians. An illegal occupation that's the longest in modern times, over 56 years and counting, And I think a lot of people around the world are increasingly outraged by the fact that states have this unbelievable power to go after all our information, to get out. I mean, our phones have become, for better or worse, our lives, photos, emails, text messages, whatever it may be. 
So why should we be concerned about Celebrite specifically? Is it different to some of the other ones available or is it being used uh, more widely here in Australia? We should be against all spyware in my view. Spyware is inherently invasive and I've spent a long time, years in fact, apart from just my current book, investigating a range of other spyware, not just Israeli. There's American spyware and, and Israeli spyware. So it's not just Israel. However, in Australia, Celebrite is ubiquitous. It's one of the most used spyware. So therefore, it's legitimate to investigate what it is and who it is and what it does. And you've seen in the last 10 years around the world, Israel become a world leader in spyware. That's not really my opinion. That's any expert would say that, NSO Group being one of them and many others now. So I am equally disturbed by American spyware, not just Israeli spyware, but in the last five or 10 years, Israeli spyware has become the world leader. Like That is what Israel has become known for. And I think that's something that should worry us because the genesis of it is the occupation of Palestine. That was Anthony Lowenstein, uh, author and journalist. He's just published a book called Palestine Laboratory. So you've probably gathered listening to that, that this is really powerful spyware um, that Israel developed and it's in the hands of autocrats and violent leaders. And in Australia, it has the potential to really impact our privacy. And even though we've had it in Australia for a few years now, it's still unclear. Some basic things are still unclear, like which government departments use it? How do they use it? When do they use it? Who has to sign off on its use? And honestly, I think part of the reason for this lack of scrutiny is because the Australian media does have a long history of being reluctant to criticise or scrutinise the Israeli government, lest we get called anti-Semitic and be flooded with complaints by very well-organised and well-resourced Zionist lobbyists. But when it comes to these gross breaches of privacy and handing spyware to dangerous, violent autocrats, I don't know. I'm with Anthony. I reckon there's cause for alarm and an urgent need for public discussion. Listener.